I get ready, I have a couple of things to share with you first. Forgot to announce that today we are doing the Lord's Supper. We do it the first uh, Sunday of every month. So if you are a believer in Christ and you would love to uh, stay after the sermon with us to do the Lord's Supper, uh, we'd be happy to have you. Also, uh, we have our fellowship, our monthly fellowship today as a church. Everybody brings uh, dishes together, what Baptists call a potluck. And uh, we're going to eat together today as well, and we also invite you for that. Secondly, if you see me moving around a little stiff, uh, yesterday I played, I decided to play a little bit of basketball. And uh, my, my bad knee actually feels okay, it's my good leg that's hurting now, so. Anyway, I just, I'm moving a little slower today. I think I overcompensated with my good leg, and now I'm feeling it today. Um, so, like I said, we are in the Gospel of John, and we're in chapter 8, and I want to read verses 21 through 30 for you, and then, um, then get into the sermon. It says, So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. And he said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. That is the word of the Lord. So, um, I, beginning of uh, last week, well, actually at the end of last week, that Saturday night, going into Sunday, you know, at, because we do expository preaching, we, we go through a book of the Bible, we pretty much... We kind of know what our next text is going to be, and that's one of the advantages of doing that. You don't have to sit there and rack your brain about where you're going to go next in the Bible. But uh, I knew this passage was coming up, and I thought, how am I going to break up this passage? And um, I was thinking that Saturday night, and then Sunday, uh, we had church, and church was great and everything, and then we went to lunch. And while we were at lunch, I started getting texts uh, from a couple guys I know. And uh, it wasn't really anything that was written down in the text. It was just a picture. It was a picture of Kobe Bryant. And it was a picture of, of Kobe Bryant and, and the news that he had passed away. And um, that was really impactful, just uh, seeing that. And I think, I think for a lot of people it was uh, just because of, you know, uh, his popularity. And uh, I, I'm a sports fan. I'm, I'm a basketball fan, a football fan. Uh, but with Kobe Bryant, I, I mean, it kind of hit close to home because um, he graduated in 1996. That's the year that I graduated. Um, being a 
uh, a basketball player in high school, everybody knew who Kobe Bryant was. And, uh, you know, as players, we wanted to be like him. And so to see that happen on Sunday, it really, um, it, it, it was just really impactful. And then I went back later on that day and I looked at my passage and I saw this passage in a whole new light, right? With this, with this new revelation of, of Kobe Bryant passing away, I thought, wow, this is, this is really, this is a really important passage here. Uh, this is crucial, not only for, for us who are hearing it now, but also it's crucial for those who we will tell it to, um, because it, it is a matter of, of spiritual life and death. So in our passage, Jesus teaches us what a good death is. And, you know, because of the death of Kobe Bryant, because he was so famous, um, his, his passing touched millions of lives. And what's, what's a blessing from a spiritual perspective and from a Christian perspective is that uh, these people are dealing with the issue of death or the, talk of, the topic of death. Because that's not something that we just always think about. But when some, a figure like this dies, that's on the minds of a lot of people. And that gives us as Christians an advantage to share the gospel with them. Um, because we need to, as Christians, find, try to find a way to share the gospel in any and all situation. So people are dealing with the reality and the finality of, of, of death. I, I, I liken his death to the passing of, like, a, I would imagine, like, a, a couple of names have come up, like an Elvis Presley back in, I think Elvis passed away in 1977, which is the year I was born. So and many of you who were younger and, and are an adult back then, you, you remember that year. Um, also, John Lennon may be another one uh, where people remember his death. But, I mean, these, these uh, powerful public figures, when they pass, it's, it's just like, wow, it makes you sit and, and think. Because these types of people, um, first of all, they're supposed to be super powerful, right? Super strong, super gifted. Um, they have all this potential in life, and when that life is taken, it's like, wait, wait a second. And I think we have a hard time with it because if that happens to someone who is like that, then we, are, we have to look at ourselves and say, well, what about us? Like if someone like Kobe Bryant, Elvis Presley, John Lennon, or even, you know, go on and on, the, the famous uh, figures who have died, if they can die unexpectedly, well, what does that say about us? What does that say about our life and our time? And I think it puts us, it, it gets us in the right perspective that we are not the author, we're not the finisher of our life, but that God is. The Bible speaks of death in these terms, and I think we need to really remember this. James 4, 14, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I think as humans, we have eternity on our hearts and you know while we are while we will live in eternity with God this life that we have on this side of heaven is but a mist but a vapor here today gone tomorrow and we may think that we're gonna you know it feels like if you're 20 something years old you may think man I have a long life ahead of me but the next 20 30 years they pass by so fast you look back and you're just wondering how and when the years pass by. The Bible also talks about this in Ecclesiastes 9. It says, again, I saw under the sun the race, 
or excuse me, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time. Like fish, they are taken in an evil net, and like birds, they are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I think the Bible has a lot to say about death. And basically, it's not up to us. It's not up to us when it happens, how it happens. But it is up to us to be prepared for when it does come. Because there is such thing as a good death versus a bad death. Um, I, I know in the past I used to think about this and I used to, um, I used to pray for a good death. And I, I, you know, sometimes in my prayers I still mention that. But when you think of a good death, what is a good death? When we think from, uh, from a worldly perspective, not a biblical perspective, but when we have a worldly perspective about a good death, we think about dying at a ripe old age with uh, your family around. And, you know, everybody's, everybody that you love is around. Uh, you're taking your last breath and you're saying your goodbyes. And we might look at that as, as a good death. Uh, we might look at a good death as uh, going to sleep and just not waking up because at that point we won't feel any kind of physical pain or anything. That might be something that we might refer to as a good death. But when we look at the Bible, the Bible says that in reality there is only one good death and that is uh, when someone dies with faith in Christ. That's the only good death. Because Look at the death that the people in the Bible had from a worldly perspective and from a physical perspective. It was painful. It wasn't something that any of us would want to go through. But yet they died a good death just like they fought a good fight because it was in Christ. So a good death is when someone dies with their faith firmly established in Christ. And that's what our passage communicates to us today. Um, Here in Verses 21 through 30, Jesus explains to him about himself again that he is the Savior of the world. He says after, um, excuse me, the, the sermon before, last week's sermon and our passage last week, we talked about how he is the light of the world. So Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. After he declares this, he explains to the Pharisees and others that he truly uh, is the, the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And he teaches them the importance of them placing their faith in him as their savior. Listen to verse 21, or in verse 21, Jesus tells them they were actually missing the opportunity to embrace him as the son of God and savior of the world. It says, so he said to them again, I am going away. You will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. When he said this, it caused confusion within the people that were there, and they actually thought that he, was, he intended to kill himself because he said that he was going away. So they were wondering exactly what he was talking about in verse 22. But Jesus, what Jesus is really saying in this passage is that he will soon suffer his death on the cross. And he would suffer this death on the cross for those who would believe in him. And he explicitly mentions this in verse 28 of our passage. Let's read there. It says, Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, 
then you will know that I am he. So Jesus says, I'm not going to be along here. I'm not going to be around here much longer. Where I am going, you cannot come. They think, well, is he committing suicide? Jesus is saying, no, I am going to fulfill my mission. And my mission is to be crucified on a cross for the sins of those who believe. And that's the message that he is trying to get across to uh, those who are listening to him, the Pharisees and others that were around. You see, up to this point, they've had every opportunity to believe in him as Lord and Savior. He's done miracles. He's done wonders. His teachings were out of this world. Everything he did showed himself to be the Son of God and Savior of the world, but yet they had not responded to uh, what he had asked him to do. That was to embrace him as Savior of the world and Son of God. The sad thing is that even when he would be crucified, and even when it would be very evident that he was the Son of God, people would still be hard heart. Their, their hearts would be hard, and, and, and they would still not believe. And out of this passage, we see something that is um, a message that from Christ that is very direct, but also very terrifying. And the message was, if they, placed, if they died without placing their faith in the Savior that God had sent, then they would actually die in their sins. Listen to this out of John 8. 23 and 24 he said to them you are from below i am from above you are of this world i am not of this world i told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that i am he you will die in your sins now what i think looking at this passage the wonderful thing about it is that there were some there the bible says that after saying all these things in verse 30, it says that many believed in him. So he had this message to tell them that he was the son of God, he was the savior of the world, and that if they did not believe in him, they would, they would die, die in their sins, and many believed in him. Now, the tragic thing is that some, and probably many, did not. So you have this paradox. You have some that believed, and then you have some that did not believe. That's the same thing that we deal with here on earth today as we share the gospel with people. But within our passage, Jesus really gets down to the point when he talks about death and he talks about them dying in their sins. And that's where a good death is defined. You see, because when we look in our passage, there is definitely a sense of urgency in Jesus's message to the people. It's easy to see. Telling them if you die in your sins, that's it. He warned them that he was definitely going away. He was definitely going to the cross. Nothing was going to stop that. And he also made them aware that they were definitely going to die someday. Now, when the Jews heard this, you know, they, they weren't surprised that they were going to die one day. I mean, I, I don't think anybody is, right? We know that we're going to die one day. They, they knew the... Uh, the certainty of death they, they had the death was talked about in in the book of wisdoms uh, the book of wisdom that they had in in uh, from the old testament ecclesiastes says all are from dust and to dust all to dust all return so for them to hear that they would all die one day again was not a surprise but 
it was a surprise and it was really controversial for them to hear that Jesus was saying that he was the Savior that God had sent. It was very controversial that he was the Messiah that the Old, Old Testament spoke about. Because the people had been taught that obedience to the law and the sacrificial system, that would all save them. But Jesus is saying, look, that's not going to save you from your sins. Only faith in me is going to save you. That message hasn't changed for us. You see, that's why dying in Christ is the only good death. Because we have to look past the physical, we have to look past the things that we're scared of with death, and we have to get to the, to the, to the root of the problem, and the root of the problem is our sin, and our lack of faith, and our selfishness, and all those things that come with the fall. The root of the problem is that we naturally do not believe. The sickness we all have is sin, and the result of that is death. But the Bible says that there is life, life to the full in Christ. So when we place our faith in him, everything changes. And unless we place our faith in him, we are not ready for death. I can even go further and say, unless we place our faith in him, we're not really equipped for life. Because he is our all in all. So, to put our faith in Christ is the most important thing that we will do in this life. You see, for the people to die in their sins meant that they would die without faith in the one God had sent. Now, some look at this passage and they might think that Jesus meant that these people would be condemned because they died with sin. But we know that to not be true because we know that all die because all have sinned so it's not the fact that they die with sin the bible tells us in first timothy 5 24 the sins of some people are conspicuous going before them to judgment the sins of others appear later look this is the point we all sin even after we are converted even after our hearts are changed we deal with sin on this side of heaven so what Jesus is not saying is that if you die with sin, then you are condemned. Because, again, we are all sinful. This text really helps us to identify the difference between dying with sin and dying in sin. And I think that's the key when we look at this passage. To die with sin is to be flawed, which we all are because of the fall, because we have sin in us and we deal with it even after being converted that's dying with sin to die in sin is to die without faith in the one who is not flawed that's the difference we all acknowledge we're not perfect but we have faith in the one 
who is perfect. We all acknowledge that we haven't done things right, but we have faith in the one who has done everything right for us. We acknowledge that we cannot live up to the laws of God and the decrees of God. We cannot be that person. But we have faith in the one who paid the price for our sins because he lived a perfect life and he died an effective death. That's the difference between dying with sin and dying in sin. And that is the, the, the message here that we are hearing from our Lord and Savior. See, Jesus' life was perfect, meeting the requirement of God's law, and his death was effective in paying the price for our sins. In our text, Jesus was proclaiming that he was, again, the light of the world, meaning he was the Savior of the world. And only faith in him would save the people from their sins. So dying in faith, if we are to look at that, dying in faith is the only good death. Dying in faith is when someone dies with their faith firmly set on Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. That is the only good death. To die without Christ or to die in our sins, as our text says, means that you will face the wrath of God. Listen very carefully. You will face the wrath of God that Christ did not face for you because you did not believe in him. I think that's crucial. Listen to John 1.12. But to all who did receive him, speaking of Christ, all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Outside of that, people are dying in their sin. And they are facing the wrath of God. Now, so how do we bring this all together and what's a good application for all this? How can we walk out of here and, and deal with this te- in this text and walk in obedience to it? Well, first of all, we, we have to know that this text is talking about the good news, bad news gospel. Right? Because I put it that way because, you know, we, always, we know that the gospel is good news. But it's good news to us for a particular reason. It's not all good news. There's bad news in it too. Just depends on what side you're in. It's like going back to Noah's Ark. Every time I read that story, I think about the door that closes. I think about the two sides, inside or outside. That door is the dividing line. It's like inside there's harmony, peace, and, and everything that we cherish. Outside there's chaos and death. That door that God closed would not open until it was time for it to open again. But those on the outside of that door were condemned. I think about the gospel in that way too. That there's this door and it's Christ and everybody who's inside, it's good news. But everybody on the outside of Christ, it's bad news. And that's what we have to deal with with the gospel it is the good news, bad news gospel, depending on, again, where you stand. Recently, I read an article from a charismatic, a very charismatic Christian, and, I, and I, use, I use that term loosely. I use the term Christian loosely. But this person said that the gospel could not be good news if it included condemning people to hell. This person went on to say that good news would be that God would, uh, would be all-inclusive, And that everybody would go to heaven no matter what the person believed. That would be good news. 
See, what the author didn't realize is that the gospel is good news to those who believe, but it's bad news to those who don't. The good news is that even though all are sinful and we all deserve hell, God has decided in himself to save some, to save those who believe in him. That is extremely good news. Amen? I mean, because that's us in here. I don't know if you're aware of that. I don't know if you're aware of your, of your sin, but, and I don't know if you are aware that you actually deserve to go to hell. But I hope you're also aware that God saved you from that. He saved you from that, and that's why it's such good news, and that's why we celebrate. We celebrate God's goodness all the time. It should be every single day, but on the Lord's Day, we come together and we worship Him because of that great news. We were dead in our sins, and He made us alive in Christ. It's awesome. It's awesome. So you have, you have this that is good news, but the bad news is that if a person rejects Christ as Lord and Savior throughout their life and they die without faith, then they will die in their sin. And they will be eternally separated from God's grace and His mercy. Man, I've heard bad news, but I've never heard news, bad news like that before. That is extremely bad. So as we think about the good news and the bad news that the gospel presents to those that hear it, here are some things to consider. Just two things. Number one, personally, we can't just walk away from this message thinking about the other person. Right, because we, we try to do that sometimes. It's a bad habit of us. We think that we're good and we think we got everything figured out and we say, oh, only if this person was here to hear the message. Thing is, God has divinely appointed you right now to hear this message. So let's start with us first. First, we need to consider the implications of the gospel for ourselves. Is it good news to us or is it bad news to us? See, God has granted to us a certain amount of time on this earth. We don't know what that time is. We just know that it's been granted to us. We live day by day. Our, our Savior tells us to live day by day, for we don't know what's in store for tomorrow. Just trust Him today. So we have been allotted a certain amount of time on this earth, and no matter how, no matter how many years that is, it goes by really, really, really fast. So listen to that. Listen right now. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not, hey, I'm going to I'm going to sneak in at the very last minute. I have a plan that God does not know about. It's an awesome plan. I'm going to get sick. And right before I die, I'm going to say, Lord, I believe in you. And I'm going to go to heaven. Kind of sounds ridiculous saying it out loud. Right. But some people really believe that. God is sovereign. God is all-knowing. We can't treat God like that. Today is a day of salvation. Today you are being called to believe. 
Today is the day that the gospel becomes good news to you. That's first and foremost. Second of all, after we consider the gospel and its implications on us, we need to consider the implication that the gospel has on others. As Christians, we are called to help others. And I think for the most part, we all do. We spend a lot of time helping people. There are people who need to be fed. We help to feed them. There are people who need to be clothed. We help them with that. There are people who need uh, someone to listen to. We're there to listen to them. We're, we're always able, willing and able to help them with the physical things of life. And I know our purpose is to help them with the physical things so that we can get to spiritual matters. But again, we cannot help them with the physical things and neglect the spiritual things. We, we do no justice to that person if we do that. So we all have family, we have friends, we have co-workers. We have all these people in our lives. And some of them we know are not saved. Some of them we know the gospel would be bad news to them. We need to have these people in mind. Question is, have we presented the gospel to them? How do we start? I don't know, maybe use this passage. You have people in mind, these people are in your mind, not just because you thought of them, but think about this. Maybe the Holy Spirit's really bringing these people into your mind so that you can speak to them. Maybe God's already working in their heart and they're, they're ready to hear the good news. They just need someone to speak it to them. It's like looking back at Isaiah chapter 6, and Isaiah says, Here, Lord, send me. You could be that person. You might think, well, what if I'm not, I'm not well equipped to do that? I don't know what to say. Please get with me, get with Pastor Laramie, get with Brother David. We, we can help you with that. In fact, if you want... I can give you copies of any notes that I have from Bible studies, sermons, or anything else that will help you. We can get tracks in your hands. We can, we can help you with that. But look, every Christian must have the burden of sharing the gospel. We have to consider those who are lost. Just like you needed the gospel, just, because, just like you needed the word of God to be preached and taught to you, proclaimed to you, they need that as well. Because that is the way to salvation. As we consider those who are living around us, if we don't share the good news with them, they're going to die in their sins. We need to make the matter urgent. As I said for you, I said today is the day of salvation. Same thing goes for them. Today is the day of salvation. Share the gospel with them so that they can place their faith in the, in the only one who can save them, and that is Christ. Let us pray.